Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one last plot holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steve and Catherine Mary Stewart is an accomplished actress of both screen and television who's worked in such cult classics as The Apple, The Last Starfighter, Night of the Comet, Pompeii, and Weekend at Bernie's but has also worked on dozens of other movies and television shows with the likes of Charles Bronson, Christopher Reeve, Bruce Stern, Rob Lowe, James Remar, Mario Van Peebles, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Stewart was kind enough to join us on Everything I Learned from Movies. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's me. Uh, my name is Steve and my wife, Izzy. Hello. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Thank you so, so much for allowing yourself to be interviewed by us. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, um, yeah, first, I, I guess first and foremost, uh, do you prefer Miss Stewart or Catherine or Kathy or? Oh, you can call me Kathy, I guess, if you want. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so whichever you prefer, but. <laughs> no, that sounds fine. All right. Uh, would you mind letting us know, like, where you grew up, what your family life was like? Sure. Um, I grew up in Canada, in Edmonton, Alberta. Ooh. My dad was a professor at the University of Alberta, and my mother uh, taught at the university as well. Um, and I have two older brothers, both of whom are extremely intelligent, and then there was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I came, I came from a seriously academic background, and... Um, I hated school. I hated it. Hmm. Uh, that was something that my mother kind of recognized and acknowledged. And in fact, she was the one who was instrumental in getting me into acting. I, I thought it was it was in junior high school, grade eight. You can tell I'm Canadian because I don't say eighth grade. I yeah. say grade eight. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and. Uh, at the school that I went to in, in Canada, they had what they called options. So it was like you had your regular curriculum and then you had choices of, you know, extra stuff to do. Um, there was one, one was like, I don't know, health class and one was acting and I'm not sure what the other ones were, but I was determined to do this health class. I thought, you know, I can kind of dig the body and I'm into science in a way, I sort of like physiology, let's say. But my mother said, you need to get into the acting class. Because I was always very animated and kind of loud and obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I loved to sing really loudly around the house. And I was like, are you out of your ever-loving mind? I am not going to get into an acting class where you have to stand up in front of all these people. And then they say, you know, look at you and 
critique you and cut you down because you look kind of stupid and all this other stuff. But she somehow convinced me, and I took to it like a New York in a New York minute. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like I realized I loved this thing. I really, really loved it. It was it, it was a way for me to express myself in a way that I never experienced before, and I loved it. So that was sort of the first step, in a way, to my performing career. And then um, she convinced me to take this dance class. I had taken ballet when I was a little kid, and I hated it because it was so regimented. And but everybody was very encouraging because I had this little skinny body and this toe that could, you know, point like I I could lie on the floor and touch with my legs straight out, I could touch my oh, toes wow. to the floor. So I sort of had this, on paper, it, or, or, you know, in photographs, it was great, but I didn't like it at all. I didn't like ballet. They were just, it was like horrible classical music and some teacher yelling at you and doing all these <laughs> uh, unnatural kind of physical moves. Well, when I was about 14, my mom said, you, there's this new instructor in town and she teaches jazz and you should try the class and I was like no no way sort of this black cloud of ballet kind of descended upon me (laughs) no way I'm doing that well somehow she tricked me into doing this class I don't know how she did it but she got me to go to the very first one and once again it was like I took to it like a fish in water I mean, I was like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I, I was sort of following the teacher along. She was kind of introducing everybody to different exercises and stuff to this sort of blasting music, and which was kind of fun. It was, certainly wasn't ballet anymore. She pointed me out and brought, I sort of was hiding in the back of the class because I thought, okay, this is my one and only time here. I will not be showing up next week, so I'm just going to hide in the back and like pretend I wasn't here. And she called me up to the front, and she says, uh, you, you know what you're doing. So you, you're going to stand at the front of the class so the, other, the rest of the people can see how it's done. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, I, I found like this other little, you know, niche for myself. I was, I was really enjoying the acting, and then the dancing just kind of like took over. And I ended up in the dance company and traveling around Canada first. And then I, when I was 18, we traveled, we did this a Christmas tour for the UN peacekeeping forces. Oh. And like, this is a long, a long time ago. We went to Egypt and Israel and Cyprus oh, wow. and Germany. We did this whole tour and um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I really, yeah, I mean, I really felt like I came alive, you know, it was tr- the experience of performing and just dancing in general, really, you know, it, it was one of those moments that you hear about every once in a while that you just, you just feel your whole body has been taken over and you know that this is what you want to do. You have such a passion for it. Excellent. So, um, yeah, so early on in my life, when I graduated from high school, I ended up going to London, England to train as a dancer. And I went to, a, uh, it, was a, it was primarily a dance school, but it was sort of a performing, a, a performing arts school that it, they taught all sorts of different kinds of dance, um, but also singing and acting and, you know, accents, dialects, 
things like that. It was uh, those are pretty general um, education. Everything to make you a triple threat, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so it was while I was in London that I uh, went to an audition as a dancer for this. I well, I, I I was walking to my class that morning and I ran into a couple of classmates that were sort of walking the opposite uh, direction. You know, they were we were in dance class together, and I was like, "Where are you going? We're supposed to be going to dance." And they said, well, we heard about this audition for this rock musical, and we're just going to go audition for it. I'm like, oh, I should do that, too. So I went along with them and ended up with the lead role in this movie called The Apple. Oh, yes. We are we are aware of The Apple. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh... That is how The Apple happened. It was, <laughs> it was just this weird stroke of luck, I think, the question. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, it truly got me. It got me. I became all of a sudden I was a professional lead actress. Yeah. So that was that was pretty fun. I mean, it was a whirlwind, but you know, whirlwinds are much easier to absorb when you're 20. I was gonna say, if you were 19 or 20 at the time, that's that's amazing to be a lead actress in. I mean, it was a fairly big budget movie at the time, wasn't it? At the time, it was. It was, yeah. You know, it was like this independent production. It wasn't um, connected with any the big studios or anything like that so for you know where it was coming from yeah it was pretty big it was about, I, I think it was around between five and ten million dollars something like that oh yeah yeah it's not bad for a different no not bad at all uh, that was directed by uh, Menahem Golan from uh, Canon Films fame how yeah. how is he to work for yeah he, he's quite a character that man <laughs> it was so interesting about the apple I mean I knew nothing obviously about filmmaking or acting in this kind of a production or even a script like this. And so I just sort of, I, I went into it thinking, well, I guess I'll try this and see what happens. Um, retrospect would crack me up is, is that it, this is sort of a production kind of spawned from, a, you know, a very sort of different kind of perspective. He, at the time, thought there were a lot of kind of rock musicals, Xanadu and things like that going yeah. on. A Rocky Horror Picture Show. This was sort of the trend of the time, and he thought this was going to be his intro into the American um, film industry. Because he, you know, he he just he thought it had everything it had to have. And but he didn't realize it was sort of from this kind of un-American perspective somehow, or sensibility, I think. And there was just like a culture clash in a way. I mean, the idea sort of was kind of great, but I mean, in a way, but it just didn't really translate the way I think an American audience needed it to translate. But um, Menachem himself is a character. He was big in in Israeli industry. He did a, a um, a Kaplan and Tevi or something like that. Oh, okay. um, was it in Israel that was a huge success? Um, uh, but anyway, this was a, a huge um, international success, actually. And so he took, the, and he was very, very big. He worked in uh, Israel for a long time and was very, very successful there. So he was going to break into the um, American film 
market the apple he you know was very confident in himself he thought this was the greatest movie ever but he was he was no uh, uh, pussycat that's for sure he <laughs> he was uh, he knew what he wanted and man he was going to get it um, but, but you know the people who worked for him had all the respect in the world for him including myself since I'd never done anything like this before and he gave me the opportunity to be in this movie so um, I was very grateful to him I won sort of weird experience with him for the most part he was just he was a, he was a pretty good guy very passionate about what it was he was doing it was when I uh, I misread the call sheet and I didn't realize I was working this one day whatever it was and so we were shooting in Berlin Germany and it was before the wall was down it was it was West Berlin and so it was this sort of island in the country of East Berlin and it was kind of a crazy place there was a, a really pretty wild nightlife that went on there. Um, and I, I just sort of, there was, it was nothing to just sort of stay out all night. You know, so this night before I was supposed to be <laughs> doing this thing, I stayed all out all night. And I got home, I got back to the hotel, and somebody came running up to me. We've been trying to get a hold of you. Where have you been? You have to do, your, your call was 7 a.m. or something like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I literally had to go my night on the town right to the studio and I was late and he came down into the um, makeup um, room he was so mad at me he was just yelling he says you are late do you know how much this is going to cost you cost us it, it, uh, you will never work in this industry again <laughs> that kind of a thing and I'm yeah. like oh man <laughs> sorry uh, yeah he was really mad he gave me the, the kind of long and you will never work at this business again. And it was funny because at this point, I, it wasn't like I'd been struggling all my life to become an actor. It happened just as a fluke, really. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll go back to dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was—he was—he could be a bear if he wanted to. That's for sure. Nice, excellent. Well, and. The Apple, uh, we'll say it had mixed reviews and stuff when it came out. But you also had roles in movies like Nighthawks and uh, Beach Girls, you know, fairly small roles. But then you started working on Days of Our Lives. Is that around uh, around those early 80s? Uh, yes, yeah, that's when I, um, so I got uh, Nighthawks when I was still living in London. After I finished The Apple, I, I had an agent and everything, and I got this audition call for Nighthawks. Um, ended up with a small role. But when I first arrived in L.A., yeah, I did, uh, I did a, an episode of uh, Night Rider, for instance, um, oh, an episode nice. of that, and, and then like this thing that was called Mr. Merlin that was on like for one year, it was, it was weird, and, and then I was cast in Days of Our Lives. Yeah, that was, that was a coup because I hadn't really been working I'd been in L.A. for about a year and uh, done little bits and pieces, but not really connecting with anything. And Days of Our Lives kind of saved my life because my agent there was going, so you're, why do you think you're not getting a job? <laughs> like, it sounds like a trick question. Um, and then Days of Our Lives, and I, and I was also running out of money, frankly. And my first day on Days of Our Lives, I drove to the, you know, the lot where they shot at NBC, and I ran out of gas. Oh no! Just outside the gate, and I had no money to get gas. 
I was out oh. <laughs> And somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody loaned me like 20 bucks so I could put some gas in my, my tank. But yeah, that, that it was touch and go there for a while. Oh, man. Because he had a fairly recurring role on there. Was there an advantage to being on like a television show bes- over a movie? Like, was it uh, just more steady work or anything of that sort? Do you prefer one over the other? Um, at that point, it was just a relief to have a job. Um, and it you know, paid fairly well. I, I remember uh, I couldn't believe how much money I was making because I really never <laughs> in my whole life made very much money. Uh, and just having the regular work that it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Doing taping a, an hour show in one day is different from you know, filming a uh, an hour and a half movie in three months. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, bet. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to do so much dialogue. Plus, on the first day, being on Days of Our Lives, I, I was this new character that was being introduced. And in soap operas, what they do is they sort of recap like names and histories. They sort of uh, massage it into the script so it seems like it's spontaneous. But basically, they're just recapping stories so that if the audience you know, hasn't watched it for a little while, they can just pick right up on, on what's going on. Yeah. So <laughs> the most challenging part of that first day on the set was I was a nurse and all the regular characters <laughs> were coming in to check into the hospital to check on one of the other major characters. And I had to sort of speak to each one of them and name each one of them individually. And <laughs> I wasn't watching things in our lives. I didn't know these characters, didn't know who they were, what they did, nothing. And I just, you know, in when you shoot a soap opera, they do not like to give you multiple takes. They oh, want no. you to do it in one take, period. And, and then they move on because it's a tight, tight schedule full. But I screwed up all the names so badly that I think it was the actors that I was talking to said, uh, we have to stop here. Yeah. <laughs> she is saying everybody's name wrong, and it's just going to be noticeable. <laughs> so it, it didn't get much easier after that. I just found it really, really hard to know all those lines in a short period of time. You know, I think on a, the trick to a soap opera is to be on it for a long time where you just, you know, you practically know what the writer's going to write anyway. But yeah. yeah, it was very, very challenging. Yeah, I can imagine but a lot of scenes it, where it's like, oh, hello, Roger, my father, who is also having an affair with my housekeeper. No, I Exactly. That's not too far from the truth. <laughs> I, I used to watch him back in the day. <laughs> so used to, yeah. Dialogue that flows trippingly off the tongue. Put it yeah. that way. Anyway, but it, for I, I was very, very grateful to have the job. Um, it sort of got my foot in the door in terms of just Hollywood in general. I think, you know, it's always good. Jobs work to get work. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't regret being on that at all. And I'm also grateful that while I was on Days of Our Lives, I got. Um, the last Starfighter. Yeah. Um, so I was actually, there was a couple of days that kind of overlapped where during the day I was shooting Days of Our Lives and most of my shoot on um, The Last Starfighter is at night. It's like all day long. Oh, and wow, yeah. so uh, there was a couple of overlaps there which was challenging. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was such a fantastic experience and yeah. also led to, of course, a bunch of other movies after that. 
Yeah, when did you uh, find time to sleep during that time? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just don't. <laughs> but no, there was a lot of overlap. I mean, I, I was winding down on Days of Our Lives anyway, so, but, you know, there was, was interesting having those two jobs at the same time. Nice. And yeah, of course, Last Starfighter is like a big, uh, we'll say a sci-fi cult classic from the 80s. Uh, we actually just watched it a couple weeks ago, and... Uh, mm-hmm. oh. How is it like working like with the special effects and stuff at the time? Like I know nowadays, like there's all the uh, green screens and like balls for you to keep the eyes, your eyes on and stuff like that for perspective. But but how how is it different back in uh, the mid '80s? Well, you know, frankly, I didn't have a lot of. Uh, I just have to work a lot with CGI. I mean, the one thing that uh, I did have to do was when the the ship lands in the trailer park. You know, there were legs, but there wasn't anything above that. So the director had to say, you know, look about there, because that's where it's going to be. But even as we were shooting, what's interesting about The Last Starfighter is that they weren't convinced that they were going to use CGI for special effects. They were still, um, originally when they went into it, they were thinking they'll just use the traditional kind of, you know, models. And um, this whole CGI thing was sort of just being boring, basically. So while we were shooting the movie, there was people somewhere in L.A., in little cubicles, a whole bunch of them, creating programs that were really the foundation for CGI today for The Last Starfighter. And it was really touch and go right up to, I don't know, a certain deadline, whether or not they would use traditional special effects or CGI. And, in fact, some of the the people that the programmers, the people that developed the programs were disappointed that they couldn't, they didn't have more time because it, I mean, again, it, it was right at the inception of CGI. Yeah. One of the very first movies to use that complicated a CGI. I mean, you look at it now and it just looks really, you know, basic for sure, comparatively speaking, but it was hugely innovative at the time. And like I said, I wasn't really involved with the outer space stuff, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, true. So, uh, frankly, I'm not even... I, I assumed that they, they were using... Uh, yeah, of course, they were using uh, green screen or blue screen or something. Some screen. But, yeah, I was. I lucked out on that one. I didn't have to pretend too much. <laughs> and then also in 1984, you starred in uh, Night of the Comet uh, with Kelly Maroney and uh, kind of get into the, uh, the horror genre. How was that? You know, it, it, I think it's sort of borderline horror. I mean, there are zombies in it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it was more, and it's more sort of, and there are some scary, weird things that happen. And uh, it's, it's sort of, I, I consider it more of a, just sort of a sci-fi, almost tongue-in-cheek, actually. Yeah, That was, again, <laughs> when we were shooting that, um, it was really uh, sort of on the table. It's going to be like a week and a make this a serious horror sci-fi film or are we going to go with the way uh, writer-director intended it, Tom Everhart, which was more kind of like, more tongue-in-cheek, with some humor in there, not so incredibly serious and oh, just scary. Um, and I'm really glad that they went with, you know, the latter, the kind of tongue-in-cheek idea because um, it also set it apart a little bit from other yeah. movies. Yeah, a little more distinctive from like Battle Creeps and others during that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really 
set itself apart that way. And, and it was, it, it, for Tom Everhart, it was almost like an homage to that genre of films, the sort of the, the kind of genre to sci-fi horror films with a little wink and a nod in there. I mean, if you look carefully, you'll see posters from, like, classic 50s horror movies with dust and things like that, <laughs> um, uh, which he kind of throws in there, you know. <laughs> Here's Chuck, you remember that? Where they say that and dump the red dust out of his shoe. All the people are just red dust everywhere. So it, it was sort of a, you know, a, a labor of love from Tom. Yeah, and we uh, heard an interview with uh, Kelly Maroney on another podcast, the What Were They Thinking podcast, um, and she seems great. What, what was it like working with her? Oh, she and I are still great friends. Um, oh, I live in New York, and she lives in L.A., but we always see each other when I go out there. Nice. And we do a lot of conventions together as well, so that's really fun. That gives us a chance to catch up. Yeah, that's always that's always nice. I would say it's, what, over 30 years you guys have known each other? It's great to have, like, the... <laughs> a long relationship in the business, right? Yeah, you know, there was a period of time when I first moved to New York and I had children and um, we kind of lost touch with each other. But when I started going back, I try to get back to L.A. as much as I can, just go back and forth a little bit. Um, she, she, uh, she and I reconnected and, you know, Facebook does wonders for that sort of thing. But, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it, it, was really, it, it was really great to reconnect with her. Um, so we've stayed in touch ever since, and stayed uh, very close. Excellent. Well, and then, uh, of course, after uh, the comet, uh, you started in uh, Mischief, which is kind of one of those mid-'80s teen comedies uh, from director Mel Damsky, who we know from, like, Psych and some great TV yeah. shows. Uh, how's it like working with him and working in, in Mischief? Well, again... Luckily for me, Mel Damsky is still a friend of mine. In fact, I just talked to him the other day. Um, he's working in Vancouver. There's a ton of production. I didn't ask him what show he was working on right now, but, yeah, there's a ton of production going on in, in Vancouver. But he and I just stayed in touch the whole time, you know. Um, and he's, he's sort of a... Uh, He's, he's been very, very supportive of the idea of me uh, wanting to be a director myself, wanting to get more into directing. Um, he's really supportive of that idea. And we've been trying to figure out a way for me to get on a set with him so I can just shadow him a little bit, just to, you know, do that. I mean, but, yeah, he's, he stayed a good friend as well. He's a terrific director, a really wonderful man. Um, yeah, so. Excellent. So, so you haven't done any directing yet? I directed a uh, short film that I wrote and produced. Oh. So that's that's my directing so far. And I'm uh, actually looking into directing a play here in New York, oh, uh, right. producing and directing that. So to, you know, just get my finger in the pot there and build up a bit of a resume. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have like a dream project for directing or anything down the line? Or? I have a couple of uh, scripts that I've been working on um, that are that I would love to be able to, you know, develop and direct an original script sort of about uh, a woman's journey. You know, she's reached a point in her life where she just needs to break out of the mold that she's created for herself. And um, she kind of goes on this, this road trip with a couple of unlikely, uh, unlikely uh, partners. And, and it's quite a, it's, it's a hilarious journey that they take, and and it's kind of a really beautiful, eye-opening, redemption kind of ending. So, 
you know, I guess I could relate to it in a way. Excellent. <laughs> also with Mel, by the way, I, I uh, did a movie called Murder, uh, Murder by the Book. Oh. With uh, with Robert Hayes, yeah, years and years ago. So I've worked with him a couple of times. Excellent. Uh, and you also started, like, I guess, back into the, the late 80s there. Uh, there's a movie called uh, World Gone... That's a good time for me, the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our favorite. Yeah. <laughs> the World Gone Wild no, was kind of... As a, <laughs> a post-apocalyptic movie with uh, Bruce Dern and Michael Paré. Right, World Gone Wild. How, how was that? I, I haven't seen that yeah. one, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> oh, you where um, water is like hard to get get at and people are cruising around the country just to find water and they will do anything to get it and I'm a part of this small community that's in the middle of the desert but we've we have we have some water there and we've kind of created this whole kind of system I'm the, the school teacher that uh, teaches school out of this sort of blown out school bus and I'm kind of learning as I could go too because we don't really have this it's sort of like the last generation has disappeared because of this I don't know some sort of an apocalyptic event has happened in the world Bruce Dern is like our leader he's like the one sur survivor from that era and basically well, he's a crazy character too yeah. and we're just trying to survive in amongst this sort of chaos of the world Nice. Uh, we gotta check that out. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool because I I loved the desert anyway, so I got to like really great. I just loved everything about it. I loved being outside in the desert, and I had these moccasin things that they found for me, which were so cool because <laughs> they were just like super thick leather. You could walk on, you know, needles. You could. It, it was it was fantastic, and um, yeah, I. I, I had a gas doing it. Michael uh, Michael Perret is like dropped it gorgeous, so that wasn't hard work. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and and Bruce Dern, I mean, he's you know he's an icon. Yeah. Uh, I I saw him recently at a screening of um, Nebraska. We were at a screening of Nebraska here in New York, and he did a Q and A afterwards. After I went sort of backstage just to see if he remembered me to say hi, and he was just like, Catherine, how you doing? You are such a fantastic actress. And he went on and on and on, and it was so cool, you know, that he um, he remembered me. I mean, he's such a character, but I feel so lucky to have worked with this man. Nice. Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to have to check it out, and that's cool that... Uh, People remember you from, you know, again, th 30 years ago and still be like, oh, and yeah. He's spring chicken, too. You yeah. Know? And, uh, but he, his brain is like, his memory is like a steel trap, man. He remembered everything. At this Q&A, he, he just had the greatest stories. And he just went on and I think they had to stop him finally because he could just go <laughs> on and on and on forever. Yeah, he was, uh, he was great. Yep. A very interesting guy. Yeah, we've uh, we've done a few interviews on this podcast, and it seems that like I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, like actors and actresses seem to have incredible memories, and I assume it kind of comes from, you know, lear learning scripts and like you know finding your marks and all that kind of multitasking and all that. But it's it's incredible to actually like. Do, do you find that that like a lot of actors and actresses have that? I'm not so good at that. 
fast. <laughs> I'm not really good at In fact, guest and last starfighter said to me, he, he, I'm like, I have no short-term memory. I would say that. And I've always been this way. I'm just like, I have to really focus and concentrate to, like, remember names and remember all this other stuff. I have to, like, play tricks with myself. And he's like, how do you remember your lines? <laughs> he's like, he, he, he cannot believe that I have no memory, you know, short-term memory kind of a thing, but yet I can still remember my lines. And it's, it's just a technique, you know, you have to learn how to do it. Um, and in everyday life, I think I'm not patient enough, in a way, to just, like, remember stuff. I'm working on it, so I, I try all the time to, okay, how will I remember this, or how will I remember that? But, um, yeah, it's funny. There are some brilliant people, though, that just remember everything, and Brewster is, I, I mean, he's at the top of that, that list, for sure. Well, yeah, you, you, you definitely been great uh, telling us stories thus far, so I don't know. You you might be in that group. <laughs> you are an excellent. You you weave an excellent tale. <laughs> oh, and and another great comedy from the days you were in was uh, Dudes uh, with John Cryer, and I think Flea was in that, if I remember correctly. But Flea was in it. Daniel Roebuck, Lee Ving. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was a Penelope Ferris film, and yeah. she was very into like you know leaving very much into music she was very much into that uh, part of American culture um, and so she hired these people who were terrific uh, actors really 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 fun to work with uh, this was a crazy sort of punk rock western I think they described it as. Yeah. Um, again just a kind of a I think what was fun about that time was there was a lot of I don't want to say experimenting, but there was a lot of freedom um, in in the movies that were made. It was a very uh, sort of playful time, I think, the 80s. It, it, you know, the 60s were sort of radical, but the 70s became sort of more experimental, I think. And then the 80s were like, ah, oh, let's just chill and have some fun. <laughs> and there was room for these kind of crazy-themed movies to um, get made and, you know, get released. And this was definitely one of them. It was funny. They had a retrospective of Penelope Ferris's um, work at UCLA oh. a couple of years ago, and they screened dudes and some of her other like early work. And uh, we, we were all there. We did a Q&A afterwards. A whole bunch of the cast were there, and the writer was there. And it was really cool, actually. It was a, a real reunion. But it, when we were watching the movie itself, <laughs> John Fryer, Daniel Roebuck, and I were like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this thing that we were doing, but it sure was fun. I'm telling you, I got to. I, have you seen it? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I was just reading about. It. Again, it's like World Gone Wild. Like all these movies, I'm like, this sounds awesome. How have I not like seen this on cable or anything? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did all these really close together, actually, um, and they're all just completely different, and, and the characters are completely different, which is so much fun for me. But they were just these little weird things that either you love them or you hate them. I got to play, what I loved about this was I got, I owned a gas station and, and these crazy kids in a, a Beetle, you know, a Volkswagen Beetle come, come through town and they're sort of looking for somebody who's killed their friend. And John Carter kind of cozies up to me a little bit, but I get to play this real tough chick with this flaming red hair, 
that can like shoot the gun and spin it and get it into my holster and ride <laughs> horseback like a crazy person, which is like a fantasy of mine. I mean, yeah. I grew up thinking I want to be in cowboy movies. So this kind of fed into that whole genre a little bit for my character. Yeah, we we I, I, I gotta find this. <laughs> yeah, it was really really fun. I I. Uh, God, I just I, I love horseback riding and I trained with this gun for a long time to shoot it properly and all this other stuff. And there was but for me the most fun was uh, riding horseback and there was one scene where I got to just like let go and take off at top speed and run across this field as they as they film me and the joke is John Cry is trying to keep up with me and he's bouncing all over the place <laughs> and I'm just peeling across this field. And my job was to aim straight for the camera, which was, I don't know, it was quite a ways away, so that I could have time to get to full gallop and all this other stuff. And then just go past it at top speed, go past the camera, like camera left, let's say. So I'm galloping across, and I'm heading right for the camera, and as I'm getting closer and closer to the camera, I see this, like, this jeep pull up right behind the camera, camera left, where I was supposed to go past frame, you know, so they could catch that on camera. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is a big shot. It's a long shot. It, I, I'm seeing this uh, truck pull to exactly where I'm supposed to exit the frame. I thought, okay, I, I can ride horseback. You know, I will just go past the frame, and as soon as I get past, I'll just pull the horse off to the left, and I'll avoid the truck. Well, what happened was the horse wasn't listening to me <laughs> until he got, like, right on top of this jeep, it stopped, I kept going, and then it took off in the opposite direction. And I, I went ramming into the hood of this uh, jeep, and I didn't realize at the time, but I broke broken my arm. <laughs> I got up and I was like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they're like, oh, you should have that checked just in case, because it probably made quite a noise. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, you know, I guess I'm done for the day here, I'll go to the hospital. Well, as I was getting changed in my uh, changing room, I kind of leaned on my with my right arm, leaned on the, the counter with my on my arm, and it just went. It hadn't hurt very much up to that point, and boy, just putting the pressure on it, I I I broke my ulna in half. I don't know if you're familiar with the, what the ulna is. Oh yeah, the radius of the ulna. Yeah. For your, your forearm, the two bones there. Yeah. Just the one on the bottom. And, yeah, I had a broken arm, and we hadn't finished shooting yet. So um, I had to come back with a, uh, a cast that you could take off. I had lots of painkillers. Um, <laughs> and in those days, you know, I don't know with arms if they still had those hard casts, but, yeah, yeah. I, I had, like, one of those, When I broke know, my arm cast. in 99, yeah. yeah, I had a plaster cast. Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. Yes, and they made it at the wrong angle, and so my arm was bent at a 90-degree angle, but, like, they made it so that when it hardened, it was just, like, six inches from my waist, so it just stuck out, and I couldn't move it because it cracked across both bones, and so they had to do it from my shoulder to basically my knuckles. Oh, my God. And I was just like that for, like, six weeks, and it was just like, I'd have to just rest it on things because my shoulder just couldn't support it at that angle all day. Oh, my Lord, you poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Oh. But don't worry, that was, just, okay, that was just middle school. It's not like that's an awkward time for kids. <laughs> oh, no. 
kidding. It's either like, this is the greatest thing in the world or it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to think, wouldn't it be cool to have like a cast? But that, that might have been when I was younger. <laughs> it's kind of like, wouldn't it be cool to have a tattoo? It's like, it's like that same kind of thing. Like, it could be the best, could be the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the worst. Well, you mentioned uh, that it, Dudes was kind of a weird uh, 80s experimental kind of movie, and that segues nicely into Weekend at Bernie's, which, uh, <laughs> how was, uh, how was working on Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty fun, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I was so excited when I got that movie, because when I went into audition for it, I, I was with the director, Ted Kochef and, and Jonathan Silverman, for this, like, one-on-one audition. And I completely screwed up my lines. I completely forgot mm-hmm. my lines. I blanked, and I'm like, oh, no. I called my manager right after. I'm like, oh, I screwed up. I can't believe it. I was really upset because I really wanted to be in this movie. But somehow they came back and said, no, oh, it's yours. Nice. Uh, which was, uh, it was so fun. Um, and what was also really fun, we shot, it was supposed to be the Hamptons, but we shot in North Carolina. Um, Bernie's house was just built on the sand. It had no foundation at all, but it was <laughs> built by the production. And when if you walk around in it, it's got sort of fake, you know, it's not a complete interior. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's where walls with a couple supports in the back, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you walk up the and it's like, don't walk up too fast because it is. <laughs> but it was fun because I, you know, I wasn't in the whole thing. I was in, I don't know, the shoot was probably a couple of months and I was in in about maybe two weeks of it. But oh, they okay. just kept me in North Carolina. So I had my little apartment, I had the beach. I, uh, it was, it was kind of a great um, job to have. You know, it wasn't a lot of pressure. I didn't have to go a ton of lines, and I got to sit on the North Carolina beach. Excellent, yeah. Can't beat that. Getting paid for it, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, get paid. Just then every once in a while, I'd show up. The, the only problem with that was that because I hadn't been working very much, or as much as, the, you know, Jonathan and uh, Andrew had been working, they were exhausted, and I would come come in all, all like, good morning, all chirpy <laughs> and really super obnoxious. I was so excited and energized to work, and they were just like, oh, my God, we've been working so hard on this movie. They've got to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that they, I think that they thought I was a bit of a pain in the butt, but I had fun, so poop on them. I, I can just picture them. I can just picture them doing 20 or 30 takes a day of them dragging Terry Kaiser around. And <laughs> I mean, you know, comedies are sometimes the most work. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, there's a lot of physical comedy in, in, involved, and, and it's, it's a lot of work keeping that kind of energy up all the time. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. But yeah, it was a great, great It wasn't a problem movie. for me, though, because I got to build up all my energy by not working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to recharge on the beaches there in North Carolina, I mean. Right. <laughs> and then I guess, like, in the 90s, you were in more, like, TV movies and stuff, but you were paired with, like, some great actors and actresses, like Armand Asante and Charles Bronson and Christopher Reeve. Uh, were there mm-hmm. any particular movies during that time that you, like, really enjoyed or... Uh, like, like there was like Dead Silent with Rob Lowe. I, I, I love that movie. <laughs> Did you Dead Silent? 
I really do love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I, I have so funny. I, I have terrible taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, wonderful yeah. taste. Um, no, I mean, I mentioned uh, the other Mel Damsky movie that I did, uh, which was Murder by the Book. It was a TV movie with, with um, Robert Hayes. Um, and uh, he and I became very good friends as well after that. Uh, but that was, that was really super fun to work on. Um, that was kind of a, a comedy as well. Um, he plays a, a crime novelist who kind of, he sort of goes back and forth from being his main character in the crime novel to the writer, and it, 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 it's really, really fun. And, yeah, uh, Passion in Paradise. I, the thing about Passion in Paradise, which drives me crazy, is, is the name, because it doesn't really <laughs> describe what, what it was about. But it was a miniseries with Armando Salton, who's a wonderful actor, of course. And it, it, it takes place... Uh, during the Second World War, and really deals with a bunch of issues of the royal family and and the members of the royal family that dealt, that were sort of pro Hitler and they were hiding gold. It is a kind of a murder mystery as well. So there's this uh, big romance, but it's based on a true story. So that was kind of interesting. Oh. Try to portray uh, a real character, a real person, you know, just based on my little knowledge of who this who these people were. But that was very cool. We got to shoot in Jamaica. I enjoyed that one a lot. So did you get a lot of beach time there in uh, Jamaica? Was, uh, not really, because yeah. I was pretty much in every, every scene. scene. Yeah. So didn't get a lot of beach time. But although on the weekends, you know, I tried to take advantage of where we were and explore a little bit. It's quite a beautiful country, I have to say. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, what else? What other ones were... I, the, Did you mention? One that sounded interesting to me was the, the Sea Wolf with Charles Bronson and Christopher Reeve. I don't know. I, I haven't seen yeah, it, but it sounded... That, yeah. that was, that's Jack's London novel, um, and that was a, a really neat experience, too. We were, we shot that in Vancouver uh, on an actual ship, a sail ship, that we would cast out into the ocean during the day and work on it, which was could be very challenging for the crew especially, uh, but it was beautiful. Um, it was really a, a cool experience. It was a period piece, so you know I was playing this sort of turn of the century con woman opposite Christopher Reeve, and we are on a a ferry together where he discovers that I'm trying to steal something from him, and there's this big crash. I mean, we we crash into another ship, and a lot of the people on the ferry are killed, and he and I survive in this little dinghy, and we end up being picked up by, they're basically pirates, that uh, Charles Bronson, he heads up this ship called the Seawolf, and they are just bad, bad people, and we have to figure out how to survive being on the ship, and, and like the only woman with all these pirates, so you can imagine yeah. what that entails. <laughs> um, that, was, it, that was a really uh, satisfying and challenging um, move. It was uh, Christopher Reeve's last uh, movie, actually. Before oh. he, he thought, well, before he broke his neck when he had that oh. accident. Um, he, do, do you know how he? Do you know that history of Christopher Reeve? Uh, yeah, where where he uh, was horseback riding, right? Right, he yeah. jumped something, I think, and he fell and he broke his neck. So that was very tragic. I mean, it wasn't his last movie, but because I think yeah. he actually did something as yeah. a quadriplegic. Yeah, he did a um, rear window. Like, like a rear window remake that was pretty good. Yeah, that's right. And Charlie and my husband and I stayed very good friends until he passed away. It was quite a while ago now. 
but I'm still uh, good friends with his wife. Um, but yeah, my husband and Charlie used to, to play golf together on their days off. And on his day off, my husband was just there on, on location with me. And he loved Charles Bronson, you know, he was oh, like cool. his number one fan. So that was cool for my husband. <laughs> Well, well, I'm sure he's seen all the Death Wish movies and, like, the White Buffalo and stuff like that, too, so. <laughs> yeah, he loved, he loved, he just loved Charles yeah. Um So that, that was fun. Uh, like I said, it, Charlie was quite a character as well, very sort of quiet and sort of brooding. People were pretty, people in general were intimidated by Charlie, but once you got to know him, I mean, he was just, he'd probably hate me to say <laughs> But he was like the most gentle man. He was a lovely, lovely man. I just adored him. Excellent. Uh, nice, nice little sheep in wolf's clothing. I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had an image to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. And then also, I, I saw in uh, in 2007, you were in a TV movie called Sharpshooter with uh, James Remar and Mario Van Peebles. Yeah, that was fun because that was sort of one of the well, after having. My family is focusing mostly on the kids and things like that. I yeah. decided to, you know, go back to L.A. for a little while and see if I couldn't, like, pick up a job or something like that. Just get myself back into the system because, honestly, everybody thought I just retired or disappeared off the face of the earth or something. <laughs> um, and so I spent, I don't know, about two or three months in L.A. And I was, like, just, I'd been there. I worked my butt off trying to get some work and nothing was happening. And... Literally, like three days before I was going to give up, I got sharpshooter. So that was sort of my reintro into LA, which was, uh, I was really so happy. It was such a relief. Um, And that was really fun, too. I got to play sort of a a tough chick. You know, I like to play these tough women. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Strong, independent women, you know. That was really fun for me, for sure. Excellent. And then you mentioned with uh, with raising your children now as they approach 20, did you run, see any a similar kind of paths with them where maybe they didn't like a lot of things about school but took to acting or are they kind of kind of into other things? Well, thankfully, my children loved school. They, they, of course, they went to a different kind of school than I did. Mine was all the very classic sort of reading and writing arithmetic kind of a school. And the, the place that they went to here in uh, Brooklyn, in New York, uh, we live in Manhattan, but they went to a school in Brooklyn, um, very sort of forward-thinking. They, they went to a school where, depending on your interests and how quickly you were moving through the curriculum, you could be you could be in the fifth grade and be doing, say, 10th grade math or something like that. They would just, they would accommodate whatever your needs were. And they were also um, very good at uh, giving the kids a sense of self-confidence and, and, and a real sense of enjoying learning. And both my kids love their school. And uh, my daughter is now 24. She graduated from Bates College in Maine in 2015. And now she's, she's working in the school system here in New York. And my son graduates from Vassar College in upstate New York in um, in May this year. Ooh, and he's going to graduate school next year. So they they really reveled in education and I'm so I'm so pleased that their experience wasn't the same as my experience. Yeah, excellent. Well yeah, congratulations to both of them graduating and everything. And yeah. I know. They 
to actually to answer your question more fully, my daughter um, she majored in environmental sciences but also theater, and oh. she still she works with a, a theater company made up of people she knew in college. They have a little uh, theater company called the Brouhaha Theater Project, <laughs> and um, they do little performances around town wherever they can find the space. Uh, I've actually worked with the company twice. So that's really gratifying because it, it's kind of how unique is that being able to be in a play with your daughter? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> Do you have like any, uh, you mentioned you, you travel like with the uh, certain like Comic Cons and uh, stuff like that. Do you have like any upcoming appearances or projects in the works? Um, yes, in August. Let me Oh, it's called Scares That Care. Oh. Scares That Care. It's in um, Williamsburg, Virginia. So if anybody is from that area, um, come on out because it's just, you know, I guess it's horror themed, but uh, it, they donate the proceeds to different um, places. So yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. That's the next one that I'm doing. I, I don't do a ton of them. I, I love to do them because I, I love to try to give back a little to the, you know, to the people that have enjoyed my work over the years. I think it's so important well, on we, that level. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, that's excellent. I mean, we really appreciate you sharing your stories and stuff with us so we can share it with others. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the audience, right? So I feel like it benefit might have a little bit to them for sure. Um, and I, I, I just appreciate them that. I exist because they exist, and you know it's been a it's kind of been a crazy year really for me in terms of uh, being uh, doing a lot of traveling back and forth to Canada because my parents have been struggling with some health issues. Oh, okay. So um, thank you, but I'm but I'm working on a few different projects. I uh, I'm working with a friend of mine on a script that we're developing with the hopes that it might be picked up as a pilot. It's just a wonderful, unique idea. It's very timely. But I'm not going to get into right now, but I'm excited about that. Uh, I mentioned um, a script I was working on that I would love to direct, which is really kind of like a dream project for me. But, you know, these things take a lot of time, a lot of patience. Um, you just have to take everything step by step. And I'm also, I think I mentioned, developing a, a, a theater project that I'd like to direct as well. So those are the things that I've sort of been doing on the side as I'm taking care of sort of personal business as well. Yeah, excellent. Well, yeah, definitely keep us posted. I mean, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, great, great share, like, with the, the New York area and, you know, the whole tri-state area. Hopefully you can come by and check it out when it's up and running. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, you know, on my Facebook page, Catherine Marie Stewart Facebook page, I post everything that I'm doing and, and try to keep everybody up to date on that. So definitely like that page because that's full of the most current information. Yes, everybody listening, go like the page. Right. Go like the page, Catherine Marie <laughs> Stewart. And, uh, yeah, we try to keep it interesting. I have a fellow administrator that sets up, uh, you know, competitions and things like that for prizes. So it's kind Ooh. of fun. Prizes, you say. Excellent. Well, and of course, uh, the name of our podcast is Everything I Learned from Movies. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us, what have you learned from movies? <laughs> well, um, you know, I mean, personally, from working in movies, you know, that, that has been incredibly challenging. It, it takes a great deal of self-discipline and energy and persistence. 
I mean, from my perspective, just the most important thing is to have a passion for uh, what you do because in my business specifically, there's so much rejection all the time. And as I get older, it gets more and more difficult to find any kind of roles for somebody my age. I was just talking to a friend of mine today, as a matter of fact, which is why I would late. He's a manager, and he just got back from Los Angeles and for pilot season and everything, and he represents three or four clients, um, some of whom are, you know, in my age bracket. And he's looking at all the breakdowns for the characters, and they're either, they're anywhere from teens to like in their 30s. And there's very, very, very little work for um, older actors, which is a shame. You know, they're really robbing themselves of some pretty good content, I think. Um, But, uh, so, you know, I, I, I just feel like you just have to be passionate, you have to stick with it, and you just have to keep moving forward and creating, you know, your own thing if you have to. So that's what I've learned from making movies. <laughs> um, just movies in generally, I, you know, you learn. What I love most as an audience member is movies that are about the characters. That you you get to know these people, you empathize with their story, and you come out feeling like you learned something. You learned something about life in a different kind of perspective from your own. And that, to me, is very, very gratifying. Perfect. Perfect. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank, thank you for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, hearing your stories and uh, wish you nothing but success with uh, your upcoming projects. And definitely mm-hmm. keep us in the loop. I'm already on the Facebook page, so <laughs> looking forward oh, to all that. Very good. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank thank you. you. Uh, Have have a good day, Catherine. Bye. (laughs) That was amazing. That was so great. (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you so, so much for being on. Oh, my gosh. That was great. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, yeah, definitely check out her Facebook page, uh, follow her on Twitter, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. I think she's at CMS All, if I remember correctly, um, for Catherine Mary Stewart, of course. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, with us, uh, follow us on Podbean. We're at eilfm.podbean.com. We're also on the Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Etsy. Yeah. If you like seeing cute art, uh, make sure you check out my personal Instagram, Twitter, and Etsy shop, all at Untidy Venus. That's an untidy voluptuous goddess. Indeed. (laughs) Right on both. Yeah, and if you enjoy memes, make sure you follow Steve at... At EILF Movies. That's everything I learned from movies. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So until next time. I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything Everything I Learned learned From from movies. Movies. Have a good night, everybody. Night, everybody. Damn it, Pickles.